Greetings and welcome to our brand new podcast, Three Night Weekend from Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of the site, and I've been covering games and entertainment for over 20 years across publications like GameSpot, Tech TV, G4, Game Trailers, Spike, and now my own concoction, Sifted. This new podcast is available to our patrons every Friday morning and will be published for everyone else the following Monday. If you want day one access to the show, head to patreon.com sifted and pledge at least $4 per month. So what is Three Night Weekend? Well, it's an audio-only show that runs down all the big releases in gaming, TV, film, music, sports, esports, and more to make sure you're maximizing your time off. But the bulk of the show each week is an interview with a gaming industry icon. We'll certainly talk about video games and the industry at large, but we'll also get to know these people on a much deeper level, and hopefully have a new appreciation for the folks who create, promote, or cover our favorite entertainment medium. To access the free version of the show every Monday, make sure you're subscribed to the Sifted Radio podcast feed on your favorite app or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash siftedgames. This week, we're talking to the creator of Twisted Metal, God of War, and so much more, David Jaffe. All right, and here we are with the man, the myth, the legend, David Jaffe. People use that phrase a lot and overuse that phrase a lot. In my but- case, <laughs> it is absolutely accurate. The fact of the matter <laughs> is, is, it's actually, no, it is accurate. And, and, and it's very, um, there are days where it's joyful to live like that and to be an actual walking legend. And then there are days it's exhausting. So, but yes, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to sort of, you know, illuminate the whole room in light for you and your audience. <laughs> Now, we have known each other for a long, long time. Uh, we also yes. have quite a history between the two of us that we'll eventually get to in this conversation. And I do want to kind of talk to you about your past. I know you've spoken about it ad nauseum in other interviews and other podcasts, but I do feel like for a lot of people listening to this, they want at least kind of a rough idea of what you've done. Now, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, what was it like making video games in 1993? Well, uh, it was incredibly... Uh... Uh, stressful for me because I had come out to California from Alabama wanting to be a film director. And I just assumed totally incorrectly that if you're the creative lead or one of the creative leads leads on a video game, it's like being a movie director. Well, I was only like 21 and I didn't even really know what it was like to be a movie director, except on my student film sets. And so I went in there to like the Traveler's Tales guys who were the coders and some of the designers and artists of Mickey Mania. They've gone on, obviously, to do Lego and all that great stuff. And I was just like, well, why aren't they doing what I say? I want this and I want this, you know, and it it took me a good three or four years to have that sort of um, beaten out of me. Because I I remember walking around the Sony Pictures lot uh, with the woman who would ultimately become my, my wife and. I was just so depressed and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I I can't do this job. It is absolutely heartbreaking. I come into work with these ideas that I think are brilliant. And then all day long, all I'm doing is fighting for the tiniest scrap to get into the game. Now, some of that was, I was an experience. Some of that was, I didn't know the politics, the situation. And some of that is just, that's video games, bitch. I mean, it's like, look, it's really hard to make a video game. Um, And it's, that's never changed. Um, So I will say that when I started making games, uh, I, I, I really hit the industry at a very sweet spot for someone like me, because I'm not a tech guy. You know, I don't really have any interest in getting down into the, the, the guts of certainly Coding not. The co- and- well, I, I, I used to code basic, but that's as far as it ever got that in yep. like turtle or logo or something. Yep. Um, but 
I, I, you know, I'm not a design implementer. I don't like to sit there and map out 3D levels. I don't think spatial, you know, I'm more of a figuring out a way to tell cool stories and cool ideas and cool IPs through interactivity and then working with people to do that. That I still think to this day, I'm pretty good at. But when I started and when I was coming up, that was relatively novel, you know? And so like when we ended up doing the stories of Twisted Metal or the story of God of War, there wasn't a Neil Druckmann. There wasn't a Corey Barlog. Yeah. There wasn't um, a, 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 a Ken Levine. And so, you know, it, it, it's not that they weren't alive. Um, you know, they were working, of course, but they hadn't really made their mark yet. And so anyone who was saying, hey, I want to push this medium to be more uh, about, in case God of War, character and story, or I want to push this medium in the case of Twisted Metal to be, uh, you know, competitive, but accessible and have really cool characters that can maybe go into comic books or whatever. That wasn't the norm. Um, it's certainly not at Sony. I mean, Sony didn't even have a role for designers. I think I was on the payroll as a producer for 10 years or something before they said, we should probably make a designer role. I'm like, yeah, you think? <laughs> um, Do you think you were one of the first, pers per first people in the industry to kind of have that role defined? No. Well, I mean, I, I don't know because I know I didn't invent it. I mean, I must have gotten the idea that I was a designer from somewhere. From somewhere. It might have been might have been Miyamoto saying I'm a game designer. I'm like, oh, that's what I do. You know. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I don't I don't know where it came from, but I know for a long time, you know, because because you know, in 93, 94, 95, uh a lot of games didn't have designers. They had right. programmers and artists, and that was it. And the idea of someone coming in, it's like, well, you don't code, no. You don't make art. No. Well, what do you do? Well, I tune and I tweak and I come up with systems and I come up with level design concepts and layouts. It's like, oh, well, we've been doing that. And it was a, it was kind of a struggle to get people to warm up to the idea that, you know, I know you can do it artist. I know you can do it programmer, but think about this. What if you had the entire day to just focus on what you love and what you're great at, which is programming, right. which is art. Mm -hmm. And I can be over here or fellow designers can be in our little neck of the woods. And we're only thinking about the player, only thinking yeah. about systems and gameplay. And eventually, obviously now it's become, I mean, goodness gracious. That's the way it is. Uh, yeah. It's not only just the way it is, but the, the, the size of a lot of these AAA teams, uh, you know, God of War ha I when I was on God of War 1, I was the game director, lead designer, and I was a co-writer. And now if you look at the credits of the new God Award 2018, <laughs> yeah, Corey's the director, but there's still a lead designer. Oh, there's yeah. a lead narrative designer. Yep. There's a writing team. You know, I'm just like, oh my God. So it it's changed a lot, but ultimately uh, it's all, you know, it, it is still very much all about finding the fun and engaging the brain of the player and keeping them uh, really having a good time. And that, that has not changed one bit. You are always obsessing over shit. Are they getting bored? Are they getting bored? Are they getting <laughs> yeah. bored? Yeah. Now, another point for you, as far as like when you enter the industry, that was a great time is that was the whole transition from 2d to 3d. Yeah. Um, and that's when you started working on twisted metal. How, right. how involved were you with twisted metal and how did that whole franchise come about? I was extremely involved. I mean, it was, it was my idea. Uh, the, 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 the uh the the trip out to evans and sutherland and if you've ever watched like the pixar story or anything these are the guys that left evans and sutherland which were military contractors making flight sims for the military to train in f-15s and all that stuff yeah 
they went off with uh, Ed Catmull, I think it was, and they said, hey, let's do this for movies. And so the guys I hooked up with, it ultimately became Single Track and then Incog Entertainment and then ultimately Eat Sleep Play. Those guys were uh, uh, Evans and Sutherland guys. So we went out there and I had, I had seen 3D only once before in, an, in, a, in a game called Alone in the Dark, like the mm-hmm. first version of Alone in the Dark on the yeah. PC. Uh-huh. And that had camera cuts. It was like before Resident Evil 1. And it was very yeah. cool and very cinematic. And it was like, all right, that's pretty neat. But other than that, I was, yeah, I was a, I was 2D, you know, parallax, three planes at best, blah, blah, blah. And my mind was blown. It, the only other time this has happened is uh, when I put on the, uh, uh, the VR headset for the first Oculus. And I played, I think it was that, was it called Hawken or something? It was yeah. like a big mech game. Yep. And I was sitting in the cockpit and, I, and and my lawyer was with me at the time. And he's like, no, no, stand up, turn around. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I literally <laughs> stood up and there's yeah. the back of the cockpit modeled. I'm like, oh my God. Well, experiencing 3D for the first time, like on a flat screen, I had never, like the guys took me into a database they had built of Mars. And I'm like, this is fucking cool. And they're and I'm like, oh, there's a city in the background, like in the distance. And they're like, well, why don't you go explore it? I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, just push the stick and go to the city. <laughs> and I know now, I, I know it sounds like I'm 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 telling a charming old fashioned story. That is how revolutionary it was because I couldn't. Fa- I mean, I, I wasn't a moron. I could fathom it, but I couldn't. I'd never experienced that kind of freedom in a video game before, where it's like, oh, you just see the place. Oh, well, just go for it. And, that was Super know, Mario 64 for me. That same yeah. thing. That first time I touched the analog stick and it was magic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, totally people, 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 yeah. People of this, you know, coming up kids today and, and, and young adults today, like they don't, again, they shouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying they don't understand, but right. the, 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 you know, the, the level of uh, progress, I remember sitting in a Sony meeting with the Naughty Dog guys when they were still Jason Rubin and uh, Andy, I think. Mm-hmm. And this was like Jack and Daxter time. And they yeah. were like going, we want to build a game that if you see a mountain in the background, you can go to it. And we're like, no. And they, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, because they were, that was the first yeah. time, one of the few times they were streaming. I think actually Blasto, Captain Blasto on PS1 was the first streaming. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, it's been really cool to watch the, the the progress, both in terms of the technology, but also in terms of the roles of people. Uh, now you couldn't make a AAA game and say, what do you mean you don't have a designer, let alone 30 yeah. designers? But yep. it's been fun. And so you went on your run with Twisted Metal. You actually put out the sequel to Twisted Metal a year after the first game, which is something that really never happens now. No. Um, and then there's a bigger gap for the next Twisted Metal. And then came what I think a lot of people consider your opus, which is yeah. God of War. Um, this is when I was kind of introduced to you for the first time. Uh, this is when right. I met you for the first time at E3 when you're showing off the first God of War. And I will fully admit that I did not see the brilliance of God of War when I first saw it. Um, I remember yeah. other journalists were talking to me about the game at E3. And they're like, there's this game called God of War. Like, you should really check it out. I went and checked it out and I was like, wow, it looks great, but I'm not sure that I get like what the hook is gameplay wise. Can you just talk briefly about how the concept of God of War was sort of germinated in your mind, what it took to get it out and convince a team to build it? And ultimately, you know, were you shocked at how successful it became? So God of War, I mean, you know, there's a cliche that, and and I'm finding this might be true for me, and and I'm not saying this in a way that is bad. People think it's like, oh, no, Jaffe, don't say that. I'm like, 
I'm okay with that if that ends up being the case. Whereas they say most people who write novels, they have pretty much one book and then they write the same book over and over and over for the rest of their career. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's kind of a cliche and I'm sure it's not entirely true, but I'm sure it's true enough to form a cliche around it. I think with God of War, within the video game space as a creative director or as a director designer, that's what I was meant to do. Okay. And I, I mean, cause I, I grew up loving video games. I grew up loving adventure games like adventure on Atari and a bunch of great Sierra online, Apple two E games and yep. all, you know, Nintendo, Zelda, all that. And so I always wanted to make a game that really felt like you were going on this grand adventure. It wasn't an RPG. I didn't, I mean, I like RPGs, but I, it's like, I want to fight. I don't want to yeah. fucking deal with stats and shit like that, you know, uh -huh. at least over the hood. Um, and so really after Twisted Metal and Black, Twisted Metal Black, when it was pretty much, okay, Jaffe, you've got pretty much carte blanche to do what you want. And you've got an internal team and you've got management that is incredibly supportive. I mean, before Twisted Metal Black, I had just wasted two or $3 million of Sony's money on an overhead shooter uh, called Dark Guns that was just a disaster. <laughs> um, but everything leads to everything else. I mean, were you, you know, surprised that Sony gave you carte blanche to do what you wanted with God of War after sort of that failed project? No, because at the time, Sony, Sony was trying to figure out first party development themselves. There were so many canceled projects, mm -hmm. so many dead bodies on the side of the fucking freeway to get to what Sony first party is today. And mm -hmm. it was really fascinating to watch that uh, creation because we were all learning. It's not like, you know, Sony went out and bought shiny or went yeah, out. It's not like it is know. today where you can go out and buy a big studio and bolster your first party offerings just no. with the snap of a finger and the, That's right. and a signed check. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean, well, to build we, it. <laughs> I guess you could have, but we never, it never occurred to anybody or if it did, they never pulled the trigger on it. So it was pretty much, you know, Alan Becker's group, Connie Booth's group, up in Foster City, first in Santa Monica, then Foster City, where it was like, you know, I mean, I, I there there must be 20 games I could tell you about that were greenlit, went into some form of production and never saw the light of day because we just didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. Um, but what was great about it, though, was that everyone from the very top down in terms of the very top, meaning our studio, I can't speak to Kutaragi and all that, sure. but I'm sure he was the same. But from the very top down of our studios, um, there was always a belief in the medium as let's do shit. Cool. Let's make something artistic. Let's make something commercial. And also something targeted towards older players. To me, that was the, that was never selling proposition. That was never conscious though, on the part of development, as far as I, if, as, as far as I remember marketing, probably. Yeah. But not, no one came to us and said, you need to, you know, here's your angle. It was never that. Weren't you just making the games that you wanted to make though? And they weren't yes. saying no. Because oh if you God, were to dude. do that at Nintendo, Nintendo would have just said, no, we don't make games like that. Dude, I will tell you something. I, 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 so you were asking like where Twisted Metal came from. The story I always tell, which is absolutely true. I, I'd come back from Evans and Sutherland and I was uh, with Alan Becker, Mike Yom, some of the other Sony people, Brian Wickham, and we were in traffic on the 405 freeway in LA and it was a nightmare. And I was like, oh, we should get guns and missiles and blow these cars up. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. right. But what was funny is when I was doing a stream the other day or last month or so about uh, PlayStation's 25th anniversary, I went through all my old designs and notes and I found mm. the uh, paper that I took into the marketing meeting. That was the day where Peter Dilly, who was the head of marketing at the time. I remember Peter. We were go yeah, we were going around the table and everyone, he's like, well, what do you guys want to make? 
And I had written down like six ideas. And one of them just kind of said, based on that brainstorm on the freeway was like Mad Max in a city car combat something. And, and I found the piece of paper that actually has that wow. written on it. Now. So I'm like, it. Oh, I, I didn't know. I, it was just a scrap, you know? Uh-huh. But anyway, so it comes to me and I tell him, I just want to do this thing with cars and guns. And he's like, oh, cool. Let's do that. Boom. That was it. <laughs> that was fucking that was your it. Pitch. So, but, but the point is though, yeah, the, the, how much it's changed. So, you know, I don't even know. Like people say, Jeff, are you going to make another game again? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm having a lot of fun doing what I'm doing now. Uh, I'd rather do that as long as I can, and then we'll see. But um, the world of AAA video games right now is so different, and I'm so much more interested in uh, not indie games necessarily, like two guys in a in a in a a, a, a garage, garage somewhere. Yeah. But but I I like the freedom that still exists. Like I think if I would have come up at 22, 23 and AAA would have been what it was. I probably wouldn't have made a mark in that industry because it's too many. There's so much politics and so many people you've got to convince of your ideas. And, you know, these games are now, you know, North of 200 million fucking dollars. And so that's a lot of responsibility, which I don't mind the responsibility, but that's a lot of people that have to be pleased enough to continue the money flowing. Yep. And that's just not fun to me. That's its own fucking job is to manage. I don't think it's fun to anyone, David. I think some people are more willing to put up with it than other people. I might have been a higher tolerance. Well, I might have had the tolerance when I was younger, (laughs) but now that I've had some success and I've, I know what that feels like to be on top of that mountain. And I haven't been on top of that mountain in a long time, but I've been there. Yep. I know what it is. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't want to work that hard, not just to make the game. That's, I don't mind working hard to make the game, but to, to grease the wheels of like four guys in Japan who were meeting to decide the fate of an, Oh shit. Are they going to cancel our game today? Oh, fuck that man. No, thank you. I don't have time for it. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yep. Um, speaking of being on top of the mountain, God of war comes out huge success, both yeah. commercially and critically. Yeah. Um, and you were on top of the mountain then. And yeah. then, and so, and then comes 2006. Um, Towards the end of 2006, you guys had already started work on God of War 2. Now, how were you as involved with God of War 2 as you were the first game? Not as involved, no, because I was the and creative why, director. Why was it. that? Oh, because I was done. I, I, I mean, I ultimately ended up getting divorced, but uh, I, I, it, it, it wrecked my health, wrecked my marriage. Uh, I had just had uh, our second kid. Um, and I was just like, you know, and I remember being at E3 with my wife at the time, of 20, 2005. So that was the time you saw God of War. Yep. And I remember uh, leaving the last day and she was with me and I just stopped and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this in because I don't think I'm ever going to be here again. <laughs> wow. Because, because the cost to get there yeah. um, was really high. And it also doesn't help that like, you know, Corey comes from animation. Um, Stig came from art. Um, when you, the, the more complicated the games get, you don't have to be technical, but you have to enjoy, I think, or it helps a great deal to enjoy that aspect of game making as well. And I could have never given a shit about, uh, I remember uh, the, 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 the nuance and specificity of how. I just right. cared about where are we going, how we get there. I don't give a fuck. That's boring to me. I have ADD, literally. I don't, I don't care. I remember sitting in a meeting once and I was just like, I want Kratos to do this on mountains and how, here's how he climbs. And I was showing them like 
flashback and out of this world. And I'm like, I want it to be like this. And I want combat and all that, you know, and it's not just like, I just want some ideas. I mean, I broke it down and I knew yeah. the moves and all that, but then the, the conversation as it needed to, uh, uh, you know, uh, zoomed in to little minutia things about, well, what do we do about the inverse kinematics when right. the hand is touching the rock, but his blade, his hand is on the blade of chaos and, you know, right. Yeah. And I just getting really out. technical. Yeah. You're getting technical and I don't give a fuck about that stuff. Right. Yep. And so for me, I think, um, uh, it, 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 uh, when I was watching, when you're saying God of war two, it wasn't just that it was really hard and we were at the office all the time. It wasn't just the fact that Tim Moss and I, who I, I have massive respect for, he's phenomenal, phenomenal tech guy, was the lead coder and the uh, 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 chief technical officer at Sony Santa Monica. Uh, massive respect for the guy. We fought like cats and dogs, though, constantly. All those things would have been fine if I was still fundamentally having fun every day doing the work. Yep. But the work became so much about how do you squeeze this or how do you take this vision that's in my head that the team is then amplified and improved and let's run it through this meat grinder called limits, production, politics, yeah. money, and time. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that is the job. And it wasn't until I did it that I realized that's the job. <laughs> it's not just having the yeah. big vision and working with the team to improve the vision. And I love that part. And I love the end part when it's through the grinder and you can tune it and tweak it and focus test it and play test it and improve it. But it's that three-year slog in the middle that just wasn't fun for me. That's why today when everybody asked me on my stream and stuff, they're like, hey, Jaffe, I want to make games. I want to be a director. I'm like, dude, here's what you do. The first thing you do. Um, whatever your budget, there is a, there is an engine, whether it's, it, frankly, you can get unity and unreal for free, free if you're a student, yeah. but you can, if that's too complicated or you don't have a PC, you can get dreams, you can get game maker. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a great new RPG engine. Maker, now. There's all kinds RPG, of there's a new engine called uh, core engine, which is only for building multiplayer shooters. And it is easy. It's the easiest. I, I literally built a level on a stream a live stream in 20 minutes. <laughs> and then I had people on the stream that were watching come in and we played the game together. I mean, that's how easy it is. That's cool. But yeah. the point is, um, you know, do the work of making the games because it, it it's very different than what- Because that's the job now. There are no Miyamoto's or David Jaffe's anymore. I mean, I mean Miyamoto doesn't really work on games anymore either. No, but I mean, <laughs> that's because he's like 70 and he's super rich and- yeah, he yeah. actually did have some programming background, but not a I lot. Think he, had, he had art background also. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, but you know, there's some. I mean, you know, Cliff Blazinski talks about getting back into it. Ken Levine, I don't think is programming. Um, I mean, there yeah. and he's working on something really cool right now. It, but but you're right. It, it it is it has become at least at that level uh, a much different job now. And yep. if I had never been on top of the mountain. I think I would be going, fuck it. I don't care. I have to get on top of that mountain. Right. But I've been on the mountain, the very top, and I've been around the summit, you know, uh, hanging you out a, for a while. Yeah. yeah when, you have like a, <laughs> when you have like a cult hit, like Twisted Metal, you're not on yeah. top of the mountain, but you're, you're really close. good place. You're you can really see the flag the planted on top for sure. Yeah. And the shit that's happening right underneath, it's better anyway. Yep. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, but, but now that I've done it, I'm just like, oh God, no, no. Yep. So it, it's got people say, are you going to get back into games? Like it's got to be the right thing. Like, you know, I, if Shannon Studd still called me and I just talked to her yesterday, actually, but 
I don't know what her plans are with Google and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Cause they, they just shut down internal and she was running that. Mm -hmm. If she called me and said, Jaffe, let's make an indie game and let's go out and raise six, eight, $10 million. And let's make something like uh, firewatch or layers of fear. Mm -hmm. I would perk up and go, okay, this is an interesting conversation. But the idea I had a meeting with, I'm not going to say who, but I had a meeting about two years ago, my agent set up and said, these guys really like your design sensibilities. Uh, go in and I went to lunch with these guys and they were nice guys and everything, but it was so much about how do we monetize and how do we do this? I was just, Oh God, I just, no, (laughs) no, thank you. All right. Let's, let's continue on with your career here. Um, so in 2006, that was when I left uh, G4 and I went over to basically start game trailers. They had been around for a while. Uh, you but guys they were in the same building, right? Wasn't G4 in the MTV building? And no, then no. G4 was in, the comp, was in its own building, but they were very close. G4 yeah. and or, or literally like two blocks away from each other. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. So I made the jump from G4 over to Game Trailers and I started staffing up early in 2006. Um, and then towards the end of the year. Is that because I, Olivia Munn broke your heart and you couldn't stand to go <laughs> into work? Not. You couldn't go into work every day and see her and know definitely that you not. never have uh, her? Okay. I, I got to work with Morgan and Adam every day. Huge upgrades over Olivia any day. I, I, I love Morgan. I don't know her that well, but I on the four or five occasions we've hung out, she's a very kind, sweet person. Both Morgan and Adam, amazing people. Um, right. So anyway, I, I did leave them to go work at Game Trailers to kind of start with their new venture. And as a part of... Game trailers is, hey, we're a part of the industry now. We had a big blowout at the Playboy Mansion at the end of oh, right, 2006. Right, right. Was that you? Were you the interviewer? I was not the interviewer. Okay. Um, I was off doing something else. In fact, one of the founders of Game Trailers ended up conducting an interview with you at the Playboy Mansion where you just kind of let it fly. Uh, you said that there was a PSP game that you were working on that just ended up being crap. Um, and it wasn't like you were having problems with the PS3. It was just that the game was crap. Um, you started talking about, you called yourself a B-level designer. Yes. You said that the combat in God of War was nowhere near as good as Devil May Cry. Hey, EGM, by the way, you f- I love EGM. One of my favorite magazines are like, he's the God of War. He's been working on God of War 3. I'm like, no, I haven't. I just f***ed up my game on the PSP. It wasn't any good. That's true. There wasn't a bull rumor. I'm not arrogant. I'm not cocky. I think I'm a B-level game designer. I know that. I'm not as good as me. See, fine. I just do the best I can. When these guys come up and shove a microphone in my face and say, what do you think? Maybe I have a healthy enough ego to give you an opinion because you asked for it. But I don't think I'm the sh- I don't think our fighting system's as good as Devil May Cry. I think I'm just doing the best I can, and I'm grateful people like this sh- our team says, Oh my God, go f- yourself in the grotto, because no one else is going to f- in there. Go, go, go. Okay. Um, you were you were there with uh, someone from PlayStation named Jeff Reese. He was like a marketing yes. guy. Yes. And you also talked about God of War 3 and some of the ideas you had for God of War 3. And then... Later that year, you left PlayStation. So my question to you was, was that interview, was that kind of your farewell letter to Sony and to no. kind of AAA game development? Did you know that what was coming and you're like, you know what, I have nothing left to lose at this point. I'm just going to let it fly. No, I was very drunk at that point. It was um, really just alcohol. That was it. Yeah, well, it was it was alcohol. And it was also the fact that I was sitting there with Jeff, who I like very much, and he's a marketing guy. And, and I, if you watch the interview, um, here it is right here. Listen, <laughs> I told you, I ain't no liar. 
I'll find it, Jaffe, and we'll just run it in the show. After you said, here yeah. it is right here. Yeah, I'll, call, I'll if, you, if you need a link, I'll give it to you. But the point okay. is, though, um, so I'm sitting there with Jeffries, and I remember in the interview, I literally asked him, is it okay? Is it okay? You know, mm-hmm. and he gives me some kind of, you know, he kind of nods or approves. And then I just went off. But no, of course not. I, I left Sony on phenomenal terms. Um, they set me up with my first company and Deep my second company. Yep. Right. And they set me up with Bartlett Jones. So it's, it, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that I was fired from Sony or Sony Santa Monica, or I, I had my responsibilities reduced on God of War 2. It's, 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 I mean, you know, it's the internet people talk, but I don't know where people get these ideas from. But no, I, I, I was, it was never a, even to this day, because there's not many people left at Sony that I have a real connection with, not because I don't like them, just because I don't have the history with them anymore. Yeah, it's been a lot of turnover. Yeah. yeah, but I still have great respect and appreciation for Sony. So I would, even if I was mad at them for something, I would never uh, just, I'm going to fucking burn this fucking bridge. Well, I don't think that that, I don't think you burned anything down. I just think you were a little less guarded than you normally would have been. And I do remember have the you, very have, next have day. You, have you met me? Yeah. Well, that's my point. Like to me, even knowing you, like you were even less guarded then. And you may, you may be right. It may be the alcohol. What do you think? What do you think I said that surprised you that made you think this guy's guard is way down? Because you were talking out of turn. You started talking about uh, God of War 3 and the PlayStation 3. And that information was not being shared by anyone. not Not accurate at all. Not accurate at all. You can watch it in the video. Your guy, whoever that was, asked me, and he asked me about the motion controller that Phil yeah. Harrison had demoed on the stage. Yeah. So absolutely, he's uh, the the PlayStation Three was out there. You guys were asking me about the PlayStation Network yeah. um, for for PS Three. The one thing that wasn't out there was we hadn't announced God of War. Right. And so he asked me, and I turned to Jeff and I say, "Is it okay? Is it okay?" And he says something like, "Yeah." And I'm like, and I said, "I just started designing it a couple of days ago." And all it is right now is notes on a notebook. I don't know what's going to happen with it. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't that that was because marketing said I could tell them. Yeah. But well, to us, having no information about the next God of War, you talking about it without Sony talking about it was a big deal that kind of sent up. It wasn't a red flag. We were just like, thank God someone's finally talking about this. No, stuff. You can understand why. Not PR surprised was, it was David yeah. Jaffe that would do it. That's my least. My, the people who like me least at Sony, even to this day. <laughs> Uh, are there's there's a couple of people I won't mention their names. You know them well, I'm sure, uh, who are in PR that are just like even if I wanted to go back and work at Sony, they would probably put their foot down and say no fucking way. Yeah, because you made their job kind of difficult at certain points. Well, gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> loved I, you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry I got pressed for the games. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. Those are the I, people who called me the next day, David, and tried to convince me to not run the interview. And I was like, sorry, there's no way we're not running this interview yeah. um, editorially. It was buttoned up. And uh, this wasn't like us hiding a camera somewhere. He knew we were there with a camera to talk. And to a him. marketing guy and yeah. a fucking marketing on guy. Camera. Come on. Yeah. And they tried to convince us not to run it. And I said no. And we ran it. And it became kind of one of game trailers first big like, oh, wow, there's this new outlet called game trailers. So I right. guess all the money we spent on that Playboy party ultimately kind of worked out. Thanks to people like you. Well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> me, me and the naked women swimming in the grotto probably had something to do with it, too. There are some photos of you in the grotto. Absolutely. None, none Absolutely. that are too bad, though. I'll admit that. Well, uh, I, you know, the Playboy Mansion, that was the first time I had been. And it was it, yeah. it, it very quickly reveals itself to you to basically be like exactly uh, what you thought it was. <laughs> no, no. It, it reveals itself to be like the Hard Rock Cafe. 
Yeah. Like if, if you think you're going to go live the rock and roll fantasy that the hard rock cafe promises and you get there and you're like, this is super corporatized yeah. to go to the Playboy Mansion and expect the decadence and the debauchery that you've been conditioned to think it is. And then you walk in and they might as well have a gift shop. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is it was it was it was a fun party, but it was so benign compared to sort of the, the, the legend of the Playboy Mansion that well, I will say this. We ended up having another one. And it was much more in line with what you were expecting from the first. Well, fuck. <laughs> Thanks for that invite. You, you were invited. Believe me. Why would we not invite you after PR, what happened at the first? PR <laughs> probably never told me. I was like, exactly. we, ain't, we ain't giving him that. Don't invite. blame us, man. We sent yeah. the invite for sure. Uh, so anyway, after 2006, you left PlayStation and they helped you form your new studio called Eat, Sleep, Play. Yeah. Um, And you kind of left big AAA, huge team development behind. What were what was kind of the biggest uh, eye opener for you leaving behind this big team? What do you mean eye opener? As far as like I've grown accustomed to X, Y, and Z working on God of War. Now I'm working at Eat, Sleep, Play, and it's not like that. Um, nothing was different because really, no, because again, this is sort of <clears throat> the 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 uh. Well, A, because we were Sony funded. We weren't right, like, yeah. we were we were a startup, but we weren't like, you know, eating ramen every day. Right, we, right. We, we got paid well and you know, Sony was invested in us doing well and and you know all that. And but part of it was also that the 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 biggest mistake that it, it's taken me, like I even think on the last game, which was a dismal failure uh critically and commercially, although I still love it to death, uh drawn to death. Uh, I still didn't entirely learn the lesson. It took the failure of that game for me to finally get what I wish I would have learned from God of War. Because after you have a success like God of War, and this will come back to Eat, Sleep, Play, I promise. But uh, after you have a success like God of War, you kind of forget that what it took to get you there, not in terms of the team or the tech or the support, all that was always front of mind. Um, but the obsession I had on that game of, is it good? Is it fun? I would bring home hours and hours and hours of VHS tapes from our play test with a notebook and just watch them all weekend long, almost like a sports coach goes through like, yeah. you know, uh, watching the other football team play all weekend to make the plays for Friday night. Yep. It was obsessive because I, I just, I, it, I, it had to work. It had to work. I wanted that. I, you know, and you're talking about calling all cars, correct? Or are you talking about God of War? I'm talking about God of War. Okay. Okay. So God of War, all that stuff happened, but then God of War comes out. Um, you get, you know, video game famous such as it is. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm aware of what that term is, how stupid it is, <laughs> but you know, amongst people who love video games, you know, I was, I was the it guy for a very yeah. little window there, Absolutely. Uh, at least in America. And, and, and you do that and you get used to the accolades and the awards and the reviews. And it's not that you start thinking your shit don't stink. It's just that you forget when you get on your next stuff, how obsessed you had to be to be successful to get there. Yeah. Right. And so I, I forgot on uh, calling on cars, twist metal 2012 and drawn to death to be desperate for the audience's adulation yep. because that's what it took on God of War. That's what it took on Twisted Metal Black. That's what it took all before. But once you have that, you've arrived again. It, I, I want to make sure it's clear. It wasn't arrogance. Like I was walking around like, I know everything, but maybe it's like selective memory. It was so hard to get there with all of that obsession that once you're there, you're like, maybe I don't have to do that part anymore because I haven't yep. figured out 
but you didn't, you never have it figured out. The only thing you have figured out is never forget you serve the audience. And that has to be job one, unless you're doing an indie art, you know, project, which is yeah. like go, go, go wild. But so uh, anyway, so calling all cars though, the point is it was similar in that we had all the Sony support um, and we didn't really have anybody telling us what to do. And that's another reason I think Sony then is different than Sony. Now, no one ever told me what to do. Yeah. I had bosses that trusted me. I had bosses that had opinions and we would debate and discuss, but it was very healthy uh, environment. Um, there was only one time in my entire history at Sony, my boss put his foot down and said, I can't let you do that. Mm-hmm. But everything else, it was, you know, what was that? <laughs> it, 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 okay. It was God of war. And uh, we had done uh, an entire director and team commentary track that after you finish the game, you could unlock it. And as you go through the levels, there would be voices from me Ken Feldman, the art director, Charlie, Wynn, the concept artist, Shannon, whatever. Uh-huh. And it would be like a, a director DVD commentary track. And we, we had done it. We actually put the first level on the, on a, on a demo disc or on the, the games guide disc for Brady games or whatever, because it ended up being that we didn't have the space on the disc. Right. If we wanted to put credits on the disc. <laughs> and I That's said, so well, I said, well, the credits are going to be in the manual. I was talking to Alan Becker, my boss. Right. I said, <laughs> and the audience doesn't really give a fuck about the credits. But yeah. You know? I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's for, that's for ego and, and appreciation of the team. Yep. And, and, and they can, it's going to be easier for them to show their parents anyway. Look, here's the manual. My name's right here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and he just, he wouldn't hear of it. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, we're, we're, we're building this great game. We're building all this great content in the game, like behind the scenes and all this stuff that was very normal at the time with DVDs and stuff, but you know, it's since really ceased for the most part, um, which sucks. But, um, and, and I was like, oh, this is going to be such a great thing. If you finish the game to, un- you know, let's unlock that as well. And he's like, I agree, but I'm not going to not let these guys get their credit on a scrolling fucking screen. And I'm like, yeah. oh, but other than that, no, other than that, it that's was, much uh, more tame than I thought. I thought there was going to be some piece of content that you came up with for God of War that they were like, no, that's way too much. That <laughs> was in Europe, black twist metal black and God of War in Europe. They, they, they were, it wasn't Sony. I had this one little prick online who to this day is like, you censored twisted metal and God. Oh, I'm like, dude, I didn't do shit. It wasn't me. And Sony didn't do it either. They, yeah. they, you know, the legal people reached out and said, look, there are certain country, uh, certain countries in Europe that have literal laws that you can't do these things. And let's say Germany says, we're not going to let you put a human in a cage and push the cage up a a mountain and then burn them alive, which is what we do in God of War. Yeah. Um, We're not budgeted to make individual skews for all these territories. So the, the skew that goes out for Britain is the skew that goes out for Germany is the skew that goes out for France. And if we're going to fix it for Germany, we have to have it affect everyone. Yep. Um, that's the only real thing. Oh, and there was one other one, Kazurai. Okay, I got to tell you one more real quick. <laughs> this was on Twisted Metal Black. This did piss me off. Um, so we were doing the end story movies and there was a scene where a girl, uh, the girl who would become Bloody Mary who drove uh, the uh, the Corvette or the Corvette S car. Uh, she was picked on as a kid. Um, I think it was Bloody Mary or Raven. I think it was Bloody Mary. And um, in the story, she gets pushed into a a puddle of mud or something. And she picks up this pipe and she bashes in the head of the kid who pushed her. Uh Now you don't visually see it. It's not gore. She swings the pipe at the camera. You hear the clang. You're you're right. 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 
But somebody in marketing got to be in their bonnet. I know who it was. I won't say their name. <laughs> and, and, and they brought up this term I had never heard. And she was like, that's child on child violence. I'm like, what oh, the boy. Fuck is- what the fuck is child on child <laughs> violence? I, I mean, I'm not fight, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. That's what's happening. You're accurately describing, but is that a thing that we need to be worried about? Does right. this happen? You know, they can, um, it's okay if they're demon children. <laughs> right. So it got all the way up to cause Harai, and cause Harai comes to Santa Monica. He sits there with me and this marketing person who I love. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And we both plead our cases and he, you know, it's like waiting for the Supreme court. Like th- <laughs> th- three days later, his decision comes down that he's going to go with marketing's take. Yeah. And so other than that though, I mean, Sony was just an incredible supportive uh, just, I mean, I don't know, man. I, 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 I got to tell you the, when you, and again, it's easy. It's not even rose tinted glasses. I was there for many years You were, and everybody is like, why didn't you go work somewhere else? Like after you started your companies, why did you leave Sony? If you were going to start a company with Sony, why didn't you stay? Or why didn't you go to Microsoft? It's like, because it was like a fucking commune. It was, of, it's hard to imagine it being better, I would guess. It, 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 yeah, I was like, I because I would rather I would rather not own if, if, if I go to a company and they say you can have the intellectual property and we'll pay you a lot more royalty. It's like, yeah, but the chances of me getting to the finish line with you guys is a big unknown. Yeah. The chances of me getting to the finish line with Sony and it being better because of what they as a company bring, I'd rather make less money and have a game that actually ships and people like, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was an absolute joy. And I, I don't, I just, I don't, I got to ask Corey. I haven't talked to Corey in a while and I certainly never asked him about it. Uh, And Shannon though, has pretty much mentioned to me that a lot of it's changed. It doesn't mean it's not still a great place to work and everything, but that level of freedom uh, I think is understandably gone because Twisted Metal is kind of a necessity at this point. Yeah, Twist Metal 1 cost $850,000. <laughs> God of War 1 cost, yeah. I want to say it was like $15 million. Yep. Um, their first party games now are north of $200 million. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, know. that's typical for first party yeah. across the board. That's just yeah. the, that's the cost of doing business at this point. Yeah. Uh, so you Calling All Cards came out in 2007. People liked it. it yeah, they did. It, it did pretty well with critics. People enjoyed playing it. And then it took five years for you to release the Twisted Metal kind of reboot. Um, people also seem to like that game for the most part, but it didn't seem to break through as much as maybe people thought it would. Do you think at that point, maybe the genre people had just lost interest in it? Because, t- I mean, critically, the game did pretty well and it seemed well, like fans liked it. Yeah, well, so, okay. Uh, well, Calling All Cars to this day, I have people tell me they play it in split screen and they're playing it all weekend. Still which, fun. Yeah. Which I love because yeah. it was really built to be like NBA jam or, yeah. or NBA, NFL blitz. I wanted us to make that kind of game. The biggest mistake we made on that was again, I mean, just, I could write a book. Um, I'm not going to, but I could. <laughs> um, what was I, it was my first company. I was, I had it with Scott Campbell and I was like, okay, Jaffe, you got a really bad reputation on God of war for just being a bull in a China shop. Let's try being, the uh, bees with honey guy this time. And let's see what happens. And so calling all cars was originally inspired by R. crumb, the underground comic book artist. And it was body and it was sexual and there was alcohol references. And it made sense. If you're going to buy a, a 599 us dollar system um, <laughs> that your audience is probably going to be adult, a little older, more sophisticated. Yeah. Right. And the mis- mistake I made is, you know, I brought it out to the guys in Utah and a lot of those are very devout Mormon religious folks. Which oh, is, geez. No, well, I mean, that's, that's their thing. And that's, yeah. I respect, 
them. But ultimately, though, they had a problem with that. Uh-huh. And, and that's even fine. But I, I was like going, okay, well, I'm one of the co-heads of the company now. I, I don't want to just, you know, ramrod it through. So we watered it down thematically. What we should have done is go, okay, well, let's just totally change the thematic. And it's the same game, but let's find a, a, a rapper that can appeal to our audience because mm-hmm. it's not going to be what Calling All Cars shipped as, which was this sort of soft, almost yeah. like Disney-esque Warner Brothers yeah. So we get to Twisted Metal and um, the biggest problem with Twisted Metal is I didn't know what I didn't know. And Sony didn't know what they didn't know. Because if you remember, uh, we shipped a little bit after SOCOM on PS3 and SOCOM had gotten its lunch handed to it because it came out uh, when the system was hacked. Yep. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, right. And so, yeah. and so they, they were DOA, whether they deserve to be or not, that's depends who you ask, but certainly because of circumstances, they never really got their traction back. Well, we were in that window and Sony really hadn't done a lot with online. Like not, it wasn't like it is now, like it, 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 there wasn't the great infrastructure in, in San Diego. There wasn't the great back end. It was all being built and there was debates between America and China, uh, China, America and Japan about sort of how this is going to get built out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it came to the point which Twist Metal 2012 was primarily online. And yeah, the single player mode, pretty lackluster, in my opinion. Well, Uh, it wasn't meant to be. But I didn't play twisted metal for the single player mode well, you know it was, that wasn't what was greenlit what was greenlit originally was a multiplayer only digital game mm-hmm. and then somewhere along the lines marketing said we want it to be single player as well and we'll give you guys an extra eight months and we're like okay huh, a whole eight really... months to build a campaign huh right and, and we're <laughs> like okay and, you know we're a new company we're like yeah sure we'll do it and it was stupid we should have fought but anyway um the, the bigger problem with that game was we never had a beta Right. And, 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 yeah. and our guys, what works and what didn't work. And well, not just that to see test the function, net code functionally, the net code was brilliant when you could connect, but our game had a real fundamental problem connecting between our game and the Sony backend and getting it to the player. So if your internet at home wasn't set up exactly right, you couldn't connect or you were prone to being disconnected. Well, we would have known that if we would have run a beta. Yep. But we launched with a demo. People loved the demo when it worked. And we were like, oh, yeah, we got it. We'll fix it. And I didn't know enough to tell the team, are you shitting me? We have to have a beta because I had never <laughs> had a game like that. Before. Yeah, I mean, that just wasn't a thing for console gaming. Back and Sony had never. Yeah, Sony Santa yeah. Monica, our producers were great. They, they had never done a game like that before. None of us were like, saw the red flag of the coders saying we don't need a beta. We're like, yep. we fucking needed a beta. Um, and so that was a problem with Twisted Metal. And the other problem with 2012 is, A, yes, the genre is long in the tooth. Um, I think you can absolutely do vehicle combat today, but I don't think you have can Have you played Destruction it. All-Stars, the freebie yeah, on PlayStation? I, 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 I have. I like it a great deal. I think it, um, it, it, I don't, I think it probably suffers from a lack of depth, but I don't yeah. know that yet. Oh, I would I, agree with you. It definitely suffers from a lack of depth. I like it better than a lot of reviewers liked it. So, I mean, I, okay. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think there's like, there's a mode called Carnado that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that um, was my favorite mode, actually. Yeah, uh-huh. there's some balance issues with it that are problematic, and I know they're fixing it. I, I genuinely like the game, and I played it even last night. I just don't think right now it's sticky enough. The meta isn't there yep. in any meaningful way. But anyway... um. So I, I I would worry if someone came to me and, just, and said, you know, I, I make another twist of metal, it would be like, yeah, if we're going to make it like pure digital and it's going to be relatively inexpensive and we'll see where it goes or 
we're going to totally revamp the whole thing and it's going to be in the world of twisted metal. Uh, but it can't just be car combat. I would have that conversation, but yeah, straight up twisted metal by 2012 uh, was over. And then the other problem, Do you think it's still over. Do you think we'll ever see another twisted metal? I think the IP is great. I still love the IP. I still have more. I mean, I have affection for both or all of my children, but certainly uh, Twisted Metal compared to God of War, I, I feel more connected to Twisted Metal in terms of it feels more like my heart, uh -huh. um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, and I know there's a TV series they're planning. I had a meeting with those guys. They, yeah. pitch, they pitch me what it is, um, whether it gets made, you know how that goes, who the fuck yeah. knows, but you know, <laughs> that'll that'll determine a lot i imagine but i think the ip of twisted metal is still exceptionally viable it's very cool um i don't know or i i would be stunned if it ever becomes another sony game that's pure car combat what i would love to see sony do uh and i don't know if they have any interest or have any need to do this i would love to see a smaller publisher like I'm, I'm just saying 505. I'm not saying it is 505. Mm -hmm. I don't even know those guys, but it just seems for like example. That, yeah. that scope of a publisher reach out and say, look, let's do a co-publishing deal with a bunch of these titles. Like a Mindy, not an indie, indie, yeah. mid-range indie. Yeah, publisher. because you guys, people are asking for, you know, whether it's Twisted Metal or uh, uh, SOCOM, or they're asking for... Uh, What's uh, there's just a bunch of fucking Sony legacy. There's games. a lot of IP laying out there right. for sure. Yeah. That certainly is not just because you make it and spend 200 million and you slap SOCOM on it. It's going to be a hit. Yeah. But there great. is enough of a fan base that if you had a smaller publisher or a boutique publisher within Sony that said, look, we're going to revisit these legacy titles, but we're never going to spend more than 6 million on them. Um, I think there's there's a business there. And I think yeah. there are like fans part of the division at take two. They kind of have right. that little imprint that they do smaller stuff with. I know? could see that being a way to get these titles back. But Sony, like Jim Ryan saying, here's a I don't know. He doesn't talk like this. I've never met the guy. <laughs> here's a check for 20, 250 million. Uh, yeah. Go make twist that. I don't I That's can't not fathom. Happening. I can't fathom that happening. OK, um, so 2012, that comes out. We kind of talked about mixed results with the game. And then you actually dissolve your studio. No, you didn't. I left. You left. But does that studio really exist if you're yeah, not absolute, Absolutely. Because Scott Campbell and I ran it together. Scott Campbell ran production for the fucking military Sims. He doesn't need me to run production. Why so did you leave? I left because I wasn't happy because Scott and I butted heads consistently, constantly. So when Scott and I started, I love Scott. He's amazing. But when Scott and I first started working together, I had never really made games. I made Mickey Mania and I was a gamer, but I was as much of a filmmaker as a gamer. He wasn't really a gamer. So we were just kind of like, let's fucking try this. You know, yeah. by the time I came back to work with Scott, I had done God of War. I had had a lot of my own success. I had really fallen in love with the medium. Mm -hmm. And he, he, you know, he is, he continued to become a phenomenal team builder and producer, but it's not like Scott was going home on the weekends and playing, you know, trying to play everyone else's games. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't prestige and call of duty on the weekends. Right. You know, yeah. he was mountain biking. That's his passion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so it, it was too much butting heads where I was butting heads with them going, that's not the state of games for AAA. We can't do that. We have to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it was ludicrous to me that we, we relatively early nixed the decision to get out of cars. Yeah. Like, how, how are we not getting out of cars? This is, this is post GTA, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but you know, but I think we ended up with a game we're all really proud of, but at the end of it, it was like, you know what, this is a, not a good marriage. Uh, let's part as pals. Um, and we did. And so, and I still work with 
those guys for like six, seven months. The deal I made with them was I said, look, if you sell the company, I want to get like, you know, a couple hundred grand, depending on what you sell it for. They never sold it. Mm -hmm. And the other deal was um, I will stay on and and I was happy to do it because I was going to go off and set up another company anyway. But I was like, I will stay on and do tuning and tweaking and PR and everything you guys need from me. Uh, just pay my health insurance for a year. Oh. And, and Scott's like, yeah, no problem. So everybody, you know, I get so pissed off in the press, not at the press, but in the press, because people think, or maybe not the press, the internet, people think um, I just abandoned the game. And I'm like, no, I left the studio, but I was under contract for six, seven, eight months. We just could never get it working perfectly. You know, yeah. we just couldn't do it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not there coding. I don't know how to fucking make an internet. Yeah. You're just work. like, this is broken. Somebody please fix it. And that's all you can do. I, I, yeah. I wasn't that benign, but it was, yeah, it was, it, yeah. So, um, but no, so the company kept going though. Scott and those guys put out a number of uh, mobile games that were pretty successful. They did some stuff with Zynga, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe if it wasn't Zynga, it was Warner Brothers Interactive or something. So no, and, and then ultimately I think they have since dissolved it, but no, it, it didn't dissolve because I left. And then you started the Bartlett Jones Supernatural Detective Agency. Yes. And started working on a game that I could only imagine you had probably envisioned in your head since you were in high school, which is Drawn to Death. It was a third-person competitive shooter set in the world of high school notebook drawings. Yes. And I will just be perfectly honest with you. I thought the game was terrible, David. And no, I was, I have I'm no just problem. being honest. I have no problem that you're a moron. Not a problem. <laughs> I tried because look, I have a lot of respect for you and I always will. Um, and I have enjoyed every game that you had ever made, including calling all cars. I really enjoyed calling all cars. Yeah, thank you. And I am a big shooter fanatic. I am a call of duty guy. I play every shooter on the market first yep. or third person. Um, I, I struggled to see the redeeming value in this game. And I think my biggest issue, I liked the art style. I just thought it was so vulgar and so mean spirited for no reason. But you're absolutely wrong. And here, here was okay. the mis- okay. But I, I want to talk about it because I'm, 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 I'm glad to have somebody say that who actually, you know, experienced it on a, at a critical level or as a critic. Yeah. So what really threw me for a loop on that game, and if we're just talking about the vulgar aspect of it, yeah, is, is and again, this is not the press's job. And I don't know if they had just treated me really kindly. So I expected it or I don't, I don't know why I expected it. Um, but that is probably the sweetest game I have ever worked on. And, and, and let, me, let me be clear. Let me explain this to you. Okay. But, but the problem is very only one or two reviewers found that sweetness. Now that's my fault that I buried it as deep as I did, but that whole game, is uh and it's all in that game you can see it i can point to where these little signposts are that is a game about a kid who's coming from a broken home um all of the characters like the wizard of oz in the game are people in his life the the crazy mouse with the chainsaw is his stepdad who he hates mm-hmm. his the 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 soldier is his brother who has uh been dishonorably discharged from the military um all of these characters are people that he either looks up to or hates or loves the girl he has a crush on is in the game. You can see everything up in the skyboxes, like where he got expelled for fighting with this bully who's at the beginning of the game. All of this is basically him trying to process, you know, being a 14, 15 year old kid and just dealing with his fucking life. Mm-hmm. I put all that in there. And yes, there is a vulgarity to it on the surface. And I wanted that because that's what you are when you're 14, 15. It's not like you're sitting there going, I will 
And a lot of my other problem with it was that it was feeding into sort of internet outrage at a time where it was like getting really bad. And I think a lot of people How felt so? well, there were like the little scenes that would come up that had like the pwned and stuff like trash talking. Oh, uh, like, well, let me tell you about that briefly. I can talk all day. You know, I can't. I know um, and we can't talk about this game very long, but I do want to give you a chance. Okay, well, let me do, well, yeah, let me just tell you about this. So this game was originally um, and here's a lesson. If you're out there thinking about going into video game development, uh, beware of of big changes towards the end, whether it's Twisted Metal coming in and mm. saying add a single player. In this case, um, Sony San Diego, and I'm going to get back to the trash talking part because it's directly related. Sony San Diego had released Guns Up and they had released Kill Strain. Mm -hmm. Guns Up was doing okay. I don't think it's a secret to say Kill Strain was a, a pretty dismal yep. failure. That's fair. Shut yep. down relatively quick. Um, and I think understandably we were all gun shy of like, oh shit, maybe in Fortnite had not come out on, on console yet. So no one really knew other than DC universe, if we could get free to play working on console, that might've just been a PC thing. So I remember going out with Scott Rohde and, uh, Christian Phillips and Jeremy and Bob from San Diego at a, me and Nick Canales at an Indian restaurant in San Diego on the gas lamp. And they're like, look, what do you guys think about no longer making it free to play? Because the whole thing was designed to be free to play for gamers. We had all these really innovative models. We had things like you could rent weapons, but you could then rent them to own. So if you spent oh. like a dime to rent a shotgun for like five hours, that dime went towards the 99 cents to buy it. You know, oh, okay. it, was, it was all kinds of things that were like, we don't want to fuck players over. Right. Um, blah, blah, blah. So one of the things we sold um, were GIF frames. So all of those frames were originally you could, and we had the tech working, you could upload whatever you wanted in those boxes for your character to say. Yeah. So it really wasn't us trying to do trash talking. It gotcha. was, we But thought, that's the way it ultimately. Well, no, no, I know. But I'm out, saying yeah. that th that system was after it became not free to play, we had to have content in there um, to unlock. And then it was like, well, I guess we have to make a bunch of these things. So we reached out to about 10 artists and said, and we, we were under the gun and we said, hey, can you make 20 of these? And every 10 artists was making 20 of these. So we had 200 or what have you. Uh, is that the math? Um, yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, we, it wasn't like we were scrutinizing every one, you know. Some of them were brilliant, though. Some of them and were funny. Andrea Daly did one. My favorite one was a mom comes up to her kid. Uh, it's all cartoony. She comes up to a, her kid sitting at the breakfast table. He's all happy to be getting his cereal. She puts the cereal bowl down and it's like alphabet cereal. Uh -huh. And the letters have been arranged to say he left because of you. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, that's the best. That's the best ever. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. But I mean, but the I was really bothered by the the game has a. I mean, very... I'll be honest. I thought the shooting mechanics were really bad too. Now, okay, I'll get to that. I'll get. I, won't, okay. I, won't, I, won't <laughs> I mean, I have that. a lot of problems with I, it. I, I will acquiesce to the fact that I think the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, if you could hang with it, was deep and interesting and fun. But I don't. I don't. I would never argue with you that our shooting was sloppy. It doesn't feel very good. It was herky jerky. The jumping was too and, floaty. That's right. Yeah. There's yeah. no doubt on that. But the vulgarity part that rubbed me the wrong way okay. only because. Um, that really wasn't what it was. And I was really, I, I was a little hurt that the, uh, that the, that the reviewers didn't bother to look even a little deeper. Like I remember the game informer guys, um, well, I was like playing it with my wife and she's like, and all she hears is just 
F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. And after a while, you know, she's listened to me play a lot of video games. Yeah. And so I, she's like my barometer. When she pipes up, it's an extreme case. And okay, your game, but, like she asked me to turn down the volume on your game. So Okay, but, but again, I can't help that you married Prune. But, <laughs> I get it, but I'm um, just trying to explain to you sort okay, of where I mean, people are coming from. On it. I understand, but what bothered me about it was I remember like the Game Informer guys did a their podcast about it, the review, and they were like complaining about the narrator. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's like they didn't listen. They were like, this guy sounds like he's some fucking guy from the 90s doing doom stuff. People yeah. have moved on. And I'm like, the guy literally says, the narrator literally says he hasn't worked since the 90s. He's so glad to be back narrating video oh, games. Yeah. He That's lives funny. with his mom. And <laughs> so word. he has a whole thing yeah. where we're deconstructing the narrator of, of the of video games where we go into his life, he can't afford a car. That's why he's doing this shitty indie mm -hmm. game. And all, I mean, all that's in there. And instead, all I got from critics were, oh yeah, the narrator um, says fuck a lot. Yeah. I'm like, I hear really? You. He's I a it. fucking well-written character, you fucking morons. Oh, it drove, <laughs> me, drove me batshit. But that taught me another lesson, which is, look, the press is not there. If you don't lead them by the nose to what you want them to see, it's not their job to see what they don't see. Yeah, that's I mean, my it's your job, job to, to help them see light. it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And yeah. so I, I, I expected, I don't mean this, like I'm, I'm giving a backhanded compliment. When I say I expected too much from them, I literally expected them to do more what I should have done, which yeah. is me, which has made it more clear what we were trying to do. Okay. Um, and so the game comes out, it's not received well by critics or commercially really. No, um, every game has its fans. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's it's fascinating. You can I'm sure Superman 64 has some hardcore fans. <laughs> There's some community on like. Yeah. Like so there is a community for it. But yeah, no, it was not. It was the biggest flop I've ever been associated with, including the play I directed in junior high. And since then, you haven't done much. So done a lot. Well, I mean, as far as game development is concerned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. So did Drawn to Death end your game development career? I don't know. Um, I can tell you. I am really happy doing what I'm doing right now. Like I am having so much fun. Now, to be um, fair, that was only, you know, three years ago that you released yeah. Gone to Death. So it hasn't been that long, but. No, it, I, you no. know, the, 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 the North Star for a, a bunch of us guys who are in, you know, game director jail is like, you know, Corey Barlog wandered the desert for nine years between, <laughs> you know, God of War 2 and, yeah. and, and the new God of War. So, you know, it, de it depends. Like I said, Shannon yeah. may be coming free. If she yeah. calls me and says, hey, I want to do something with you again maybe there's something there, but you know, I, I just, you know, if, if, if that was the end of my career, uh, in games, I have no problem with that. You're okay with um, that. Oh okay. yeah. Oh yeah. Because, because, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm loving what I'm doing now. Um, I'm having more fun doing it than I had making games towards the end. And, you know, it's the same level of freedom that I used to have at Sony. I mean, I, I can, be up at four in the morning and say, I have an idea for a video or yeah. I have a segment for tomorrow's stream. I want to try out. And it's like, you know, I'm not some big success in that space, but I really enjoy it and it's fun. So what are you going to do now? There are cer certain things that are kind of shifting in game, game development. I want you to tell me which of the following you think might be the thing that would bring you out of it. Um, bring me out of what? Out of sort of game development retirement, oh, okay. um, free to play, um, cross-platform play, game streaming, uh, the, those sorts of kind of new things that are going on. What do you think would most likely sort of bring you out of, de of uh, development retirement to create something new? I think it would be 
Uh, not streaming the way I think you mean it. If you mean streaming like Twitch, I don't mean that. No, um, no, I mean like game streaming, like Google Stadia, GeForce okay. Now, stuff. So, like that. Uh, uh, my big, my big love in games right now, not in terms of individual games, but in terms of what I see happening that I think is phenomenal, and gamers hate it but I'm convinced they don't understand the value of it. They think they do. And I get into debates with them all the time. Uh, it, it, Subscription-based services, um, whether you're talking about what Luna's doing over with Amazon, or obviously you're talking about Game Pass, PlayStation Now. Mm-hmm. PlayStation Now is still very much behind the curve, in my yeah. opinion, compared to Game Pass. Agreed. PS fans will tell you that's not true. It's like, dude, it's okay. It's true. It's, it's okay, okay have... that Sony doesn't yeah. do everything right. best. I mean, I, I, I discovered Wreckfest <laughs> yeah. on PS Now, and I love it. PS Now is not some shitty service, but no, it's no, not, not as good as Game Pass right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but, but what I adore about that space is probably the same thing that, you know, and I'm not comparing my talents or success to Martin Scorsese or, uh, you know, any of these filmmakers who have, who have uh, migrated to television subscription services, mm-hmm. but the level of um, risk, you know, you don't have the, it's in a package for 60, 70, $80. You don't have the low risk. Have, well, it's, 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 it's not low risk, but it's for the, for the consumer I'm saying. Oh, well, yeah. Comparatively speaking, but the, the subservices, as long as they get you in, I don't have to be the prettiest belt, the ball with my graphics. Yeah. I can be the most interesting belt, right. the ball. I can tell yeah. a really cool interactive story. Uh, you know, I, I, I am actually working on a design right now about, um, all I'll tell you is remember about, That's, this is what I wanted, wanted to hear by the way, David. Well, well, <laughs> Uh, remember uh, this was years this is like 10 years ago when i think it was houston that flooded um and there were literally coffins that rose up from the cemetery and were floating down the street of main street usa and you can see pictures of this if you google it and i found that so evocative and so terrifyingly cool that i did sort of a whole horror kind of walking sim thing around it, which I'm very interested in maybe working on down the road. Um, and that is, uh, and that's something that I don't give a fuck if it's beautiful graphics, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it, they have to be good graphics, but I, yeah. I, you know, if somebody says Amazon Luna comes to us and says, you can make that here $6 million. It's an exclusive pretty much. I mean, I don't care if they're involved, but I don't, you know, it's, it's freedom compared to like 50 agencies I have to yeah. convince. Um, that's really exciting to me and not just for me personally, but as a gamer, the fact that my discoverability of games, I'm playing monster train now is one of my favorite games. The fucking never would have found it. Otherwise, I never would have found that if that wasn't on game pass, the same thing applies to uh, a lot of games, a a lot of games (laughs) and gamers get so upset with this. They're like, it's, but it's trash indie games. What's the matter with you? Yeah. Like there's, there's a, there's a group of gamers that seem to think the only viable option is triple a amazing graphics well and that's great no one's lots opposed of cut to scenes them. lots of yeah. voice acting no one's opposed to that shit. no one's opposed to that no one's you know but you know marvel movies can exist right alongside um uh, uh get out <laughs> or or queen's gambit yeah right yeah. and so what i keep saying is look these subscription services are if they go like television, they're like, well, it's not like television. It's like, it, it's enough it like is, television uh, in the business yeah. model. <laughs> the business model, yeah. Um, if it goes like television, if you look at the golden age of, of, of sort of serialized media that we're in now, whether you're talking Amazon or Netflix or Hulu, that is all a direct result of them needing content 
the audience not caring if it's Marvel MCU quality of, yep. of budget. They just want interesting shit. Yeah. And so suddenly it's like, oh, you mean, you know, Kojima, they could give Kojima carte blanche. And it's like, look, man, we can't pay you like Sony paid you, but here's $10 million. Go what nuts. What can you do with it? Yeah. Make, make Snatcher to whatever the fuck yeah, you want to yeah. do, you know? Yep. That is exciting. And when I hear gamers shit all over it, I'm just like, how are you not? Because they want Kojima instead of making a small game like that. They want him working on the big budget, whatever. They want him working on the next Silent Hill or any whatever it may be. The next well, Metal Gear of Konami ever has the guts to <laughs> let someone else work on it. But right, right. I mean, I get, I get that, but it, it's like ultimately it, the you know, I, I, all I can say to that man is that I appreciate that perspective, but I am stunned that so many gamers only or they put production value so high on their list of what has to be there. Like my favorite game last year was a game called ultra kill from new blood entertainment, which is, is kind of like a cross between devil may cry and vanquish. It is the Mm -hmm. most intense shooter I've played in my life. And I adored it. And it was done with graphics that you probably could have done in 1995. I don't care because it's staggeringly cool, you know, it's fun. But a lot of gamers are just like, no, that's immediately reject it. Yep. So, David, as we've said, you've kind of moved away from game development for the time being. And I'm hopefully hopefully it's not permanent. And you're doing more like streams and uh, video shows and things like that. Where can people find you to kind of check out that stuff and consume it? I don't have a web page yet. So the best place to find, I want to put it all on one web page, but you can find me obviously at Twitter. I'm very active at David Scott Jaffe, J A F F E. And then uh, on YouTube, I, I could give you my address. It's a pain in the ass. Just, just go to Google and type David Jaffe YouTube. <laughs> I do a almost daily show called Gavin and games. It is very chat heavy. A lot of call-ins. I've been on, I've been on there. I've come I, into your stream and we've gone back and forth publicly before. Have you called in before? I haven't called in. You and I, I've gone in your chat and we've kind of gone call, back and forth. You, yeah. you owe me a call in then for this. I, after oh, you oh, have done three night yes. weekend, obviously. Absol- I would, I would I love it. it. I would love it. Don't, don't you have a Twitch show as well? Uh, Twitch. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are on Twitch. We do Game Face every Tuesday right. at 1 p.m. Right. Pacific. So yeah, yeah I, 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 it's like that, but it's much more uh, hanging out with your friends in a bar talking yeah. to the chat. So we do that. I do a lot of videos now. Uh, it's all game centric for the most part. I have a separate channel for politics, which gets me in trouble, but I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> You're it's probably good. It's a separate channel. <laughs> I, I had to learn the hard way. I mean, it's yeah. amazing how my, you lose a lot of audience. Yeah. I, 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 I know I didn't, I didn't realize. And, and suddenly it's I'm crazy. like, yeah, I'm just going to do what I want. And then I'm like, no, remember the lesson from God <laughs> of war, give them what they want. And on this channel, they want game stuff. And so I'm like, Oh, and it's, it's been, it's been good. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do it full time as a job once I run out of money. Um, (laughs) But, but I am having such a good time. And if anybody's listening to this, which I know people are listening to it, uh, swing by, give it a shot. See if you like it, go to the webpage, watch the live show. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Hopefully you will too. Now, David, before we go, we ask every guest on Three Night Weekend, what are they playing, what are they watching, and what are they drinking this weekend? Okay, so, I mean, how many answers do I get? Give us your your top shelf answer for all three. Okay, well, what I'm playing is Monster Train. Uh, Monster Train is, uh, I'm playing a lot, but Monster Train is my grilled cheese sandwich game right now. It is- It is- Your comfort food game. One of my favorite parts of the day is when I have dinner or lunch or I have a break and I turn the lights off and I just get lost in monster train. It, 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 it's filled the hearthstone void that used to be there since Activision came in and fucked it all up with their <laughs> terrible, terrible tuning. So I'm playing a shit ton of monster train okay. along with everything else, but um, I'll be playing last. 
I would be, well, I was, I'm, here's what I'm watching. I'm starting to play tonight. The last of us part two. I've never played it. I guess you could say I'm watching that. Cause what I hear <laughs> is it's a, basically a fucking movie. Um, but yeah. anyway, what am I watching? Um, we are rewatching freaks and geeks, which okay. just dropped on Hulu. And, yep. um, we, we finished the Britney Spears documentary, uh, on Hulu, which was really sad. It and we're sad. about to start a documentary on, I think it's HBO max called glitch in the matrix, which is all about, uh, simulation theory. Okay. Yeah. And what are you drinking? Diet Coke. Me too. Well, I'm a Coke zero guy. But I'm, it's too sweet for me. It's really? too sugar. Yeah. Diet Coke is people are like, taste like shit. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. It's, <laughs> it's, it, I, I'm, I fully expect in my lifetime, just like we saw when we were kids with the cigarette companies, I fully expect the soda companies that put aspartame in this shit to be brought before Congress and the Senate and go, guys, what are you doing? This, yeah. this is, it is addictive. It is not good for you. Um, but I can't stop. I literally cannot. I'm stop right there it. with you. And it's not the, it's not the <laughs> caffeine. I'll drink it without caffeine. I'll live long day and I'll be fine. It's, it's the aspartame. Okay. Well, there you go. That's David Jaffe. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Um, regardless of what me. I said about drawn to death, I, I don't care. Hey, I am a huge long, fan and a big admirer. I, I really it. appreciate you taking the time to come on. That's not a problem. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, man. Right now that you know what David Jaffe is up to this weekend, it's time to figure it out for yourself. Games! All right, we got three pretty big games for you to check out over the weekend. At least three games that just came out recently. Yesterday, uh, Little Nightmares 2 came out. It is a horror puzzle adventure from Bandai Namco. Uh, it's been getting pretty good reviews, and you can get it on every platform. Um, and then today, Gal Gun Returns, which is a very odd kind of bouncy jiggly game that's code word for probably not a game you want to play around the significant other um but it is available for pc and switch beginning today and then the big release for the weekend that i think most of you guys are going to be playing is super mario 3d world plus bowser's inside story it is sort of a rework of the 3d platformer release for the wii u for switch uh, it's also added a bunch of content uh, reviews for that have been sky high so if you're looking for one game this weekend and you own a switch that's the one we recommend tv and film lots of great choices if you just want to veg out on the couch this weekend um we're going to cheat a little bit because there's something we really want to recommend to you guys that actually came out before the weekend and that is season one of clarice uh, that is a new series on CBS that is a direct continuation of The Silence of the Lambs. It picks up exactly one year after the film, and you follow Clarice as she tries to search for reason and purpose after the insanity of the first film. Uh, we have watched the first episode. We did like it, and you can probably find it on CBS On Demand on your favorite cable, satellite, or whatever service. Next up is Netflix. Netflix has another busy weekend. Um, a new film that just came out is called Red Dot. Uh, it's about a couple who are on a romantic retreat, and suddenly a red laser dot site shows up and uh, throws everything into turmoil. Looks really interesting. A new series called Buried by the Bernards launches this weekend. Season one, the debut. It is a reality show that is based around a mortuary. <laughs> Not something that's very common. Definitely worth checking out. Elsewhere, uh, The Bridge Season 1 launches on HBO Max this weekend. This is a crazy show about 
a group of people who must build a bridge in 20 days to reach a gigantic pile of money. Um, I don't know how they're going to do a second season of that, but I think the first season might end up being pretty interesting. Uh, A new film releasing on VOD called Fear of Rain is about a girl who is schizophrenic who is struggling to figure out what is real and what is not real. Uh, She meets this new boy in her town and... He's not helping matters. It looks also interesting, but that is a pay-to-watch VOD option. Uh, Then on Disney+, Plus, Marvel's Behind the Mask is a documentary where they talk to a lot of people who have worked on various Marvel properties, and they discuss what it's like working with those properties, kind of the rules they have to play with. Um, And then moving on into Sunday, and, you know, we're not too into this, but you might be, American Idol Season 19 launches on Sunday on ABC. Um, And then last week tonight... Uh, with John Oliver, season eight launches on Sunday as well on HBO and HBO Max. And then finally, we're going to cheat a little bit more here and recommend something that actually comes out after the weekend is over. And that is the Monster Hunter movie launches to VOD on February 16th. Music. It's a slow week for album releases with just two indie albums coming out on Friday. Clap your hands, say yeah. Their first album in over four years releases today. And then finally, the third album from Ohio Indie Band Sports, Get a Good Look Part 1, launches today as well. Sports! All right, before I get to all the big sporting events for this weekend, if any of you bet on the Buccaneers based upon my tip in last week's episode of Three Night Weekend, you can leave my commission at sifted.net slash donate. I called it. Few people were brave enough to call it, but I got it right. Regardless... Another big weekend in sports, even though there's no Super Bowl. uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. On Friday, if you're into the NBA, the Bucs are playing at the Utah Jazz. I know that sounds like it may not be a big deal, but the Bucs are like the best team in the East, or at least one of them. And right now, the Utah Jazz are the best team in the NBA, if you can believe it. That game is on tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, Also, uh, the Grizzlies are at the Lakers here in L.A. we got to give the Lakers some love. Uh, That's at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. And then also tonight and all weekend long is the third round of the Australian Open. Uh, So if you're into tennis, a really good weekend for you to sit and take it easy on the couch. Uh, Moving on to Saturday, if you're a big soccer fan, the Premier League has a big weekend coming. Even here in the U.S., uh, Leicester City uh, takes on Liverpool at 7.25 a.m. Eastern. If you're here in California, that game starts at 4.25 a.m. on Saturday, which is really early. Uh, Then Manchester City takes on Tottenham. Uh, and that's on the big NBC network. Uh, the prior game is on NBC SN. Um, Manchester City versus Tottenham is on NBC, and that's at 12.30 Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, so not quite as bad. If you're into college basketball, it is a huge weekend across the board. Tons of games as they're getting ready for uh, March Madness, but probably the biggest game of the weekend is Duke at NC State, and that's on Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then if you're into golf, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am is going on all weekend on CBS and it kicks off at 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Moving on to Sunday, more Premier League soccer. West Brom takes on Manchester United at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and that's on NBCSN. And then Arsenal takes on Leeds at 11.25. That's also on NBCSN. And then if you're a big hockey fan like me, my Penguins take on the Washington Capitals on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Of course, that's Sidney Crosby, the greatest hockey player ever. 
versus Alex Ovechkin. Always a huge rivalry, always a good game. Again, that's 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And then finally on Sunday, probably what will be the biggest sporting event of the entire weekend, the Daytona 500 kicks off on Fox at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Esports. Nothing too huge on the esports docket this weekend. The Call of Duty League does kick off this weekend. It's its opening weekend. And then as far as League of Legends is concerned, the LCL 2021 Spring kicks off this weekend, and the RLCS Season X also is happening this weekend. And then Valorant, Riot's shooter, has its championship tour continue throughout the weekend. We want to thank David Jaffe for coming on the show this week. You can find him on Twitter at David Scott Jaffe, and you can find him on Twitch at The Jaffe Stream. Join us next week as we welcome special guest Adam Sessler. We want to thank all our patrons who make this show possible. And if you're interested in supporting the show, head to patreon.com slash sifted and pledge at least $4 per month, and you'll be able to get this show every Friday morning when it's really, really essential. 